0: Hey sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans, talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts, I'm Connor. I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started? Let's send it! Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 34, and it's game week.
1: Oh, God, that feels good.
0: Yes. Say
1: it it one more time, brother.
0: It's game week. I love it. I'm so fired up, dude. And we couldn't be playing a, you know, more mediocre opponent to start the year in Montana. But I'm just fired up to have Husky football back. I know you are, too, Sam. Hell yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, game week, man. I'm going to introduce my my co-host now a little bit more formally, Sam at ECF Dog. How are you tonight, sir? And what are you sipping on?
1: I'm good at C Fred run. <laughs> um,
0: we got it. We got to shout out the Twitter handles, man.
1: We do. I've been getting active. You got to give me some follows. I'm still sitting at four. So if you're feeling <laughs> generous and want some good Husky content, it's true. You got to hit your boy up I'm trying That's to build right. that clout. Mm-hmm. Um, for tonight's episode, I'm sipping on the classic throwing it back to the OG Jack Daniels on a cube. How about you? Good, sir.
0: Um, I am sipping on some uh, cold blue mountains Coors Light right now. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I'll switch over to some bullet bourbon here in a little bit. Might I mention, failed to mention off the bat. It's just Sam and I tonight, just the OG crew. Um, we're talking dogs tonight, uh, just in our prior engagement, but um he will probably join us in a couple weeks. He's off to Greece, I think later this week. Um, So he'll, he'll join us in a couple weeks, uh, and We'll probably have some Seahawks reactions and dogs reaction stuff to the Michigan game. Um, So be excited for that in a couple weeks, but for now, it's just me and Sam. You'll have Sam and I next week too, with a Seahawks uh, preview as well. And we'll have a post-game review, obviously with the Montana game after, after Saturday. So uh, we'll try to, I think we should probably, I guess, let our listeners know that we're going to try to break up some of these episodes a little bit more. Yeah. So um, we know that we can't have like the long form discussion, Sam and I can't shut up a lot of the time. Yep. Um, and uh, Justin's, his other podcast is a lot more concise and he's, he's better at keeping things concise and to the point. And um, we all kind of brainstormed and thought that it would be a good idea for us to break up our episodes a little bit. So we'll still have just as much content to talk about, but the episodes are going to be broken up. So we'll like have like a dog heavy episode and then we'll have like a hawks heavy episode probably throughout the football season. We'll sprinkle in some other stuff like Kraken, Sounders, Branders, whatever is going on um, around those two uh, two episodes a week. But we're gonna basically have a dogs episode and then a seahawks episode. Um, and we'll probably record those on the same night, but then we'll release them in uh, over, over the span of the week. So,
1: yeah. And hopefully that'll make finding the content that you're more interested in, in a bit easier instead of having to fast forward through two hours of content waiting for the dog talk or if you're keyed in on the Hawks, it'll hopefully make it a little bit easier to pick and choose which ones you want to listen to. Obviously we hope that you listen to them all, but hopefully it makes it a little bit easier for you to get the content that you want.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's the that's the general goal. And then also just making them a little bit shorter makes them a little bit less daunting, I think, for listeners to start listening to. So hopefully uh, those two coincide with kind of upping our podcast game. All right. Back to the dogs. Uh, General announcements first, I guess. I mean, the biggest one just released today, right? That was this morning. Yeah, they just released this. Uh, The dogs are going to debut some 19 some throwback uniforms in homage to the 1991 championship team, they will wear them at some point this season. We don't know what game. Um, to me, they look pretty clean. Sam, I know that you had some a few thoughts, a couple a couple little you know yeah. snarky comments about a few things, uh, mainly the helmets, I think. But yeah. I, I, I want I want you to explain yourself as far as like what you think could have been better, I guess on on on, on yeah. Movies.
1: I guess to start off, though, I I think it's about time. I mean, the 30th anniversary of our national championship team, arguably one of the greatest college football teams of all time. That's a great argument that we can have for another day. But the 91 dogs are definitely in that discussion. Um, I guess off the top, I really like the jerseys. In fact, I love the jerseys themselves. A little bit simpler. There's no gold piping. It's a bit of an older block font. And really simple white numbers, white stripes on the shoulder pads. They look very similar on the upper part of the jersey to our current jerseys. Really, the only difference is you don't have a W at the crest of the neck. You don't have gold piping around the numbers. And then instead of the kind of shiny, subdued purple shoulder stripes. Kind of shoulder like stripes, metallic pur- purple yeah, almost. Yeah. They're, they're white, which I actually really like. Yeah, I like a,
0: they look crisper.
1: Yeah, it's almost a combination of our current jerseys and our practice jerseys.
0: Right. Which yep.
1: I I really like. I honestly would love to see these be our regular tops that we wear. Sure. The the pants to me look great. Uh, they went back to like the darker more yellow gold, none of that tan bullshit,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: I really like. I w- I I wish that they would go back to the piping down the side of the leg. I don't think that'll ever happen. I know we did that under Sarkeesian for a year. And I think a lot of the players complained about it, like restricting movement, having that extra material down the side of their leg. I I don't know. So who knows? I would love to see that. But overall, I think the jerseys look really good. And quite honestly, it makes me feel pretty good about our current jerseys because those 91 jerseys are held at like such high regard obviously because of the way that the season went. But when you think of UW football, that's the jersey that you always see. And so it makes me feel good that our current jerseys honestly aren't that far off from what those Mm -hmm. were. But getting into your question a little bit more directly, one of the things that they added to the throwback uniforms that we'll be wearing at some point this year is on the helmet, the logo they put in the like 75 to 95 logo the with the panting dog on the helmet Mm -hmm. which i get is a cool logo yeah but we never wore that on our helmet we didn't wear that in 91 so it's like to me it's kind of strays away from the concept of paying homage to what we wore that year Mm -hmm. and as all husky fans know like don't fuck with the helmet. Like we tried the purple (laughs) helmet thing. Nobody wants to see those again. There's something very traditional and honorable about just the gold and the purple block W on the side of the helmet that everybody loves. And I think if we did that and got rid of the panting dog on the helmet, I think these would be perfection.
0: Yeah. I mean, I tend to agree. Um, Yeah. Like you said, just that, that helmet has always just been so, so pristine, like, right. Like, I mean, it's, it's, and it's meant something to kind of having that purple W on the gold helmet. Um, Cause they don't practice right with, with a W on their helmet. No. So it's kind of like a game day tradition type thing um, that obviously the coaches kind of hype up and, and the program uh, hypes up that tradition as well. So I like the logo. Obviously, I think yes, I, I think you too. agree with that. I yeah. like the logo a lot, um, and I think they're probably just trying to make make it different a little bit more and stand out in some kind of way yeah. a little bit more. Because, well, because I mean, the jerseys themselves, I, I think I texted this to you earlier. They don't look that much different than than the ones that we wear now. Like you do have a little bit more of a deeper yellow in the pants, like you said. Um, there's little kind of differences in the tops like you said with the i mean I, I i honestly think that those might be our tops now like i don't i don't know why they would honestly go like the white looks way better than the purple yeah to me yeah. um on on the on the sleeves um and yeah the pants are just they're just a little bit different but they aren't a lot different um and so, like, I mean, to make them stand out in some kind of way, I think they kind of threw a logo on on that. Yeah, helmet. I just feel um, like it was
1: just a little too much, too yeah. try-hardy
0: for me. And, I mean, honestly, it, it's it's obviously important to the fans and stuff. Like, like we always want our team to look cool and have kind of cool uh, styles, but also honor tradition. At the same time, it's also a recruiting technique too, right? So, like, do you think that these will be a good – recruiting technique like like these kinds of jerseys i know that uh, i think jimmy said that there's going to be two new jerseys this year and this mm-hmm. is one of them um i don't know when the next one's coming out i don't know what it's going to be um but obviously the, they're they're used as a recruiting tool we see our you know Oregon uses it to another level and i would never want to be that right but um there's no doubt that kids coming out of high school want to look cool on game days in a cool looking Jersey. So, um, I think this accomplishes that. I don't know if you think that as well. Um, I don't know if they had that in mind or if you think that they had that when they made this Jersey too, maybe that has to do with the logo as well. Um, that's kind of the point that I was getting to is maybe like having it stand out kind of that way with that cool old fashioned logo that, um, you know, every Husky fan that's been a Husky fan since the eighties, nineties knows that logo. And you got these like old ninety one sweatshirts with that logo like right on, on the front and stuff. Like I grew up with that logo and um so it means a lot to me, but I understand not having it on the helmet. It is like it's it's on the pant leg too. I don't know if you saw that. Like, yeah, it's on, which like, I hip. don't
1: I don't mind that, even though um, that wasn't on the ninety one jerseys either, but I don't mind it right. in that location. It's just the helmet is sacred,
0: yeah, in my opinion. I get and I'm I get a it.
1: traditionalist when it comes to husky football, but
0: Yeah, I get it. I think that, I mean, there's no way that they can like change their just normal logo. So I think they wanted to try to incorporate that logo into the jersey somehow. And obviously the, the big, the easiest way to do that is on the helmet. I don't know how, like they could have done something on the shoulder pads maybe or something, but it could have looked really tacky. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, to,
1: to answer your question too, about the recruiting thing, that's definitely a part of it obviously to your point we don't want to be like our little brothers down south at oregon but i actually i retweeted someone earlier today that said something really funny (laughs) speaking of oregon where you know we have these new throwback jerseys that we're all hyped up about as we mentioned we don't know which game we're going to use them for yet but someone out on twitter was like hey we should make you know an agreement with oregon for the UW Oregon game, let's both wear our national championship throwback uniforms. Bada bing, bada boom. (laughs) That O on the the Oregon helmet stands for something.
0: Zero national championships. Yeah. Sucks Um, to suck. Yeah, we'd be playing ghosts out there. It probably wouldn't, probably be a SmackDown. You know, we just scrimmage, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I thought thought it was funny. It was a good chuckle. It's pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, and honestly, that that's probably the game that people I think are circling so. for them to wear that um, those jerseys. So November 6th, I think that is the date um, of that game.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Um, the... But I imagine, I, I kind of have to believe that that's going to be the game. I'm sure they'll do a big celebration and bring back a lot of the members of that 1991 team, do a huge yeah. hype up the crowd thing, bring them out before the game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that would be that would be the game that I would circle as a fan. Like that's the game I want to see it happen.
0: Yeah. And that is November sixth. I'm I'm seeing it here. So third, third to lo- or sorry, fourth to last game of the season.
1: It's gonna be a big one.
0: It will be. It will be. Could be for the North. So but we do have an opponent on Saturday and it's not Oregon. So we should probably talk about them a little bit. Yeah. Uh, unless you had any other general notices to, go to go over, I, I think I think we've we've uh, cut off cut the meat off the bone for the, the uniform talk. All right. Uh, UW pl- plays Montana, and they uh, this is a team that we have played over the years. Uh, Their first matchup was in 1920, um, and I don't know if we I think we lost the first matchup against Montana, and then we obviously haven't won or haven't lost since then. Uh, UW leads the series 17 uh, 17 wins, one loss, one tie. Um, And I think the tie was in like 1926 or something like that, because that'd be ridiculous if they did that now. Um, So, obviously, a a series that predictably UW has dominated and Montana. uh, I I guess I don't know. There was no such thing as like FCS, FBS back then, right? Back in like the early 20s, like until honestly kind of modern day like probably bcs football i guess is probably when that came about is my guess
1: yeah i don't know the history on that but i'm sure back in the day it was just play whoever's around around right. town
0: yeah <laughs> you guys want to play all right cool let's play um so anyway uh a, a storied history <laughs> between these two teams meaning that they have just they've obviously played for they played 19 games over a, a span of basically a hundred years. So, um, I mean, I, there's not much to this history <laughs> yeah, just because, uh, of the domination by UW though. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to say about just the series history in general. Usually I think this segment, we're going to talk a little bit more, um, and at length, especially with, when it comes to like PAC 12 opponents or conference opponents in general, even that Michigan game will have a lot more to say just because it's more storied history between, t- between the two sides, but this one's pretty one-sided. So
1: Yeah, it's pretty one-sided. The only additional color I'll add to it is although Montana is a lower tier school in the FCS category, they've been a dominant program at that level. They've won national championships, particularly under their current head coach, Bobby Hawk. He was there in the mid to early two thousands and had quite a run with them. And then he left to go to UNLV and now he's back kind of in a hopes to resurrect the program back to the glory days of competing for the championships. Um, so,
0: and they're, they're ranked as a top 10 FCS school now, I think too. So, yeah.
1: And so Montana is a really good FCS school, but again, there's just, there's a massive, disparity of talent between the two teams and i think that's why you've seen the series go the way that it has but montana's not a pushover team by any means like we should for sure win the game Mm -hmm. but for the level of competition that they play they are cream of the crop for sure
0: yeah they're not portland state they're closer to an eastern um as far as like talent level so they're gonna make some plays against against uw on on saturday and you'll probably be tearing your head out a few times is is my guess but or hair out i should did I say head or hair i don't know i got myself i don't know if i said i've obviously meant hair i have none left so um but you'll well, be tearing yeah, your hair i'm working
1: out. on it i don't have much left either <laughs> hey you and
0: me both brother it, just shave it and it's low maintenance i that's that's all i can ask for at this point um <laughs> but anyway uh yeah i mean montana is going to make some plays on saturday and uh UW obviously should should win the game handily. Um, just again, talent level and and size size difference too. But um, Montana is definitely not not a pushover team, like Sam said. We do have a depth chart, and we should talk through that. And that's probably where we're going to spend most of the episode. Is kind of my guess is is on this depth chart. Yep. Um, which was released on Monday, um, and there are are predictably as always. A few surprises. I, I think the surprises are honestly pretty good, Sam. Um, I know that you had a couple of complaints as well on, on the depth chart. And again, it's, it's a, it's a depth chart for your first game. And we hear a lot of people talk about that a depth chart, And who is listed as the starter doesn't always mean who's going to play the most or who has the most snaps. So keep that in mind. Like you kind of take these with a grain of salt a little bit, just because a lot of players, especially on Saturday, are going to rotate in Um, just it being an FCS school. If we're up a few scores, you're likely going to see some backups play even more, but a lot of these guys are going to factor in even some of the backups, like throughout the entire season, there's going to be a lot of rotation and a lot of depth at a lot of these position groups. So uh, what were like a few of the things that stood out to you the most though, whenever you first looked at the depth chart?
1: Yeah, I guess I'll even preface that before going into it is Jimmy Lake plays games with this thing. And he set a precedent last year, Layatu Latu was listed as the starter or the backup at defensive end or outside linebacker rather last year. And he had suffered a career ending injury and they never updated the depth chart. So unless a starter gets a season ending injury in a game, I wouldn't expect this depth chart to change at all throughout the year. So I kind of take this with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, so I guess I'll just put that caveat out there before getting into it. Like I'm just not going to overreact to too much of this. Um, but I guess, should we just, instead of going through it, like what stood out the most, should we just like run through it really quick? Sure. Yeah like breeze through the obvious ones
0: yeah yeah for sure um if you if you want to start on the offensive line i guess go ahead.
1: yeah so on the offensive line left tackles jackson kirkland no surprise there he's probably going to be you know after a good year potentially first round pick in the nfl Mm -hmm. and then i'll skip left guard right now because that's one that we'll want to talk about center luke waltenberg like sixth year senior, he's holding it down. Henry Bainavalu, returning starter at right guard and returning starter Victor Kern at right tackle. Left guard, we've talked about it throughout spring ball and fall ball, has been the one position on what could be a top 10, top five offensive line unit in the country. It's been the one position along the line that has had some churn. MJ Ale, Ulumu Ale was the incumbent coming in as the starter from last year two up and comers julius bulow and nate Kalepo, both redshirt freshmen have put their names in the mix and for the montana game it seems like all indications based on this depth chart and what we've been hearing is that julius bulow has secured that starting position so that's going to be your one new face along the offensive line and i guess what are your thoughts on that connor
0: i mean from from the way that the reporters were talking about him in camp, he was clearly kind of distancing himself from the other two, it sounded like, especially with the way that they were um, splitting the reps. Like he was getting a lot of run with the ones towards the end of camp. So indications, at least like from what I read, this isn't that surprising to me. Um, I will just say that, it, I mean, it Ulumu Ale is a massive human being and we talked about him a lot last year about being an absolute road grader yeah. um i think we've also talked about him not being a good pass protector at all Correct. and i think that's the main reason why this this competition opened um and julius Bulo, i don't know what he is as a pass protector but it does seem like he's a little bit more athletic and lighter on his feet he's 6 8 which is Honestly, super duper tall for a guard. Yeah, Um, I think people are honestly wondering if he might switch over to left tackle uh, next year once Jackson Kirkland is gone. Um, I think that's that's a possibility, but we'll see how he performs. Obviously, a left guard this year. Um, I I mean, a high recruited kid though out of Hawaii, and it's nice to see you know one of these four star recruits kind of kind of showing out in and developing in the way that we would like some of these guys to. So I'm excited for him. I, I can't, I mean, I obviously have never seen him play. I guess maybe he played a handful of snaps last year.
1: Maybe. Maybe. I think he was in like the special teams blocking units for like field goals.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we obviously haven't seen extensive play for him at all. If, if he has even gotten snap counts on offense. So um a big mystery to me but from all indications on pr- in practice he's been good i didn't i don't even remember him like from the spring game or anything like that so yeah. i can't speak to him at all really um the one the one thing that i do want to bring up though is that it sounded like uh ole had sw- had shifted to right guard and had been backing backing up by navalu towards the end of camp mm-hmm. and that it was nate Kaleppo and julius bulo that were kind of duking it out for that left guard spot but now on the depth chart at lists Ale as the backup left guard and Kaleppo as the backup right guard. So, I mean, maybe they were just trying stuff out towards the end of camp yeah. and seeing kind of how each player played in each position and decided that still Ale was better on the left side. And uh, cause I think Kaleppo was on the right side last year, wasn't he? Or going into the year? Or has he always sure. been on left?
1: I think they've kind of, with the younger guys, play all over and practice yeah. it. And, and I'm, I'm not sure he was in the two deeps last year. Maybe he was.
0: Yeah, I don't remember. I know that, I mean, he was, he came into UW as a tackle. Like, he was recruited as a right. tackle, but he's kind so of he, gained some weight. Yeah, yeah, he's gained some weight and shifted the guard, so. I think the um, only
1: other thing that I would add on Bulo is, is, as we've kind of mentioned, it's not a surprise that he's listed as a starter because we've seen that snowball building momentum over the last couple of weeks. Right. But taking in the more macro knowledge that I have behind his recruitment and his development, disregarding the last couple of weeks, I'm, I'm actually shocked that he's starting on this offensive line. He was one of those recruits. Well, when we were recruiting him, he was always being described as a project guy. He's got the, you know, tangibles in terms of his height, weight, flexibility, light feet, light on his feet, athletic, but really had no advanced coaching at his high school. And so from a technique perspective, he was way behind Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's, he really, in my mind coming into UW was someone that you would project to, you know, continue to reshape his body. He also looked pretty soft and not you know, didn't have a ton of lower body strength. And so it just felt like he was going to be on that two-year track of being a backup, get in strength and conditioning, learn the technique, and then maybe in your third, fourth, fifth year in the program, really solidify yourself as a contributor. And so seeing him in the starting lineup as a redshirt freshman is really impressive and quite shocking to me that he's developed that quickly because the guys he was competing with were, legit, I mean, th- both of them would be starting at majority of the Pac-12 schools. I mean, Ale, mm-hmm. to your point, he struggled in some pass protection last year, but he was, for all intents and purposes, a pretty damn good guard. And Bulo beat him out. Colepo came in, you know, much more ready to play, quote unquote, sure. than Bulo was talked up to be. And so the fact that he's competed and beat both of those guys out, you can only be excited that maybe Julius Biel is reaching that high ceiling potential that we recruited him for in a lot quicker fashion than we originally anticipated. So again, not surprised based on what we've been hearing the last couple of weeks, but taking everything into consideration, sure. I think it's a little bit shocking, but in a very positive light for sure.
0: It's good analysis. And I'll, I'll just add that like he actually came in to UW, at least Brandon Huffman kind of is one of the the main recruiting editors for uh, 247, one of the the sites that we follow for recruiting. And uh, he said this about Bula when he was coming into UW, possesses an optimal frame with good length and size, needs to develop as a run blocker, but is a stellar pass blocker. So he came in as a pass blocker. And obviously we're a run first run heavy team. So he, he, I mean, he must be developing really well as a run blocker and must be pretty assignment sound. Um, and obviously his athleticism is, is of note. And I think that that is, is one of the main reasons why he ended up winning that job. So yeah, congrats to him. And yeah, I'm excited to see, see what he's all about. And, um, hopefully, hopefully they made the right decision. I, I trust Scott Huff and, and yeah. obviously Jimmy Lake to make the right decision on, on the line. So it's going to be I a think good line.
1: Closing out our analysis here for the first week of the offensive line, think the other thing to really call out I don't know since I've been really closely following Husky football which in my almost 30 years of life has been probably 20 to 23 years of it yeah <laughs> I don't know that I've ever seen an offensive line this deep I mean I'm really sure. comfortable with our backups at nearly every position I mean Troy, Troy Fautanu at left tackle Again, MJ Ale, Uluma Ale at left guard, Nate Colepo at right guard, Mateo Mele at right tackle. That's not even including guys like Miles Morale, Garen Hatchett, Gard mm-hmm. Memolar. The one Corey Luciano, I haven't seen a lot out of him from center. He's had some bad <laughs> snaps in the past. We've but, seen
0: we've seen enough of him at center.
1: I yeah. <laughs> I like Mateo Mele or Miles Morale there better. But anyways, yeah. my, we don't need to beat that to a as a dead horse there, but I, sure. I think it's worth calling out that our backup offensive line is probably yep. better than a lot of the offensive lines we've seen pre Chris Peterson era. Mm-hmm. And that feels damn good as a Husky fan. Yeah. And an I important mean, I, unit.
0: right. Well, and outside of Luke and Jackson, you're pretty young along that entire offensive line too. So yeah. these, these could be, this could be a, like almost like a dynasty type offensive line for the next several years, which is which is obviously where it all starts and is su- super important to what what the UW does uh, on offense.
1: I know, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are like, I can't believe you guys just spent 10, 15 minutes talking about the offensive line, but really at the end of the day, you
0: just... Who was, to... who was your MVP? Who was your most valuable player on offense?
1: I don't think I need to tell anybody how excited I am about this offensive line. They know, <laughs> but just take Jimmy Lake's words for it. I mean, in his press conference, he talked about, they asked him, you know, what position group is really standing out in the offensive line period. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so this is a really stellar unit should have a solid year creating holes for the running backs. More importantly, keeping Dylan Morris upright and comfortable, give him a clean pocket. I think he's going to have a good year if that's the case. So I know we spent a lot of time on the offensive line here on the depth chart, but I think it's really important. It's, a lot of folks will just kind of blow over it. Like, yeah, they'll be good, but these guys deserve their due. And I think it'll, it'll show particularly this Saturday against Montana.
0: For sure. All right. Not a lot of, uh, probably not as much to talk about at the tight end position is, is my guess. We got an yeah. all American or at least a preseason all American in Kate Otten. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's, I've heard he's pretty good.
1: He's real <laughs> <So>. good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, so he's obviously starting at the, at the main tight end position at the H back kind of tight end slash fullback position. It's mostly going to be Jack Westover, I think, but Devin Cole has developed into, I think a pretty, pretty good player. And he looked really good in the spring. Whenever I saw him, he made some, yep. a couple of really good catches and he's a good blocker downfield as well. So for sure, he's going to be in the rotation. I think those are going to be the main three that you see kind of rotate at tight end. With kind of Mark Redmond and Quentin Moore sprinkled in 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 certain scenarios and formations, you probably will see all five of those guys a lot though in this Montana game, is my guess.
1: Yeah, we like a, lot of, two, a lot
0: of a lot of two tight end sets. I think in this Montana game, I think we're going to use our size.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, anything else on tight end? I think no.
1: <laughs> it's a really <laughs> solid unit, kind of yep. an extension of the offensive line. You're going to get the same theme there. Really solid right. run blockers couple of intriguing pass catchers there as well, but they'll be heavily utilized in the offense as they have been since Peterson arrived.
0: No doubt. Quarterback, again, probably a pretty pretty short conversation here, but Dylan Morris obviously is the dude. Um, the one note here, I guess, that we will have, though, that the most notable thing is, is the backup uh, situation. Um, so it's Demo season, but Patrick O'Brien was – was apparently giving him a run for his money in the springtime yeah i called as...
1: bullshit on that
0: okay well this is what was being reported to us at least i I'm was at, saying
1: i was at a lot of practices in person my eyes don't lie
0: oh I've i mean, when, it. I, when i saw when i looked at the spring game i was like i don't know what the hell these reporters are talking about o'brien doesn't look good um he had like one good throw i think throughout the yeah. entire spring game sam heward a lot had a lot more. And that was obviously towards the end of spring or basically yeah. the end of spring. And in fall, apparently Sam Heward has started to develop a little bit and you um, bet has definitely put his name in the, in the hat uh, when it comes to the backup quarterback uh, position. So right now it's, it's Patrick O'Brien or Sam Heward um, as, as listed as the backup to Dylan Morris. So we'll see. I mean, obviously this first game we anticipate that Dylan isn't going to play the full game. So it'll be really interesting to see, I think in this first, first matchup, I mean, one of the few matchups that we're going to see a backup quarterback probably play significant snaps mm-hmm. at least hopefully um, who is that, who gets, who gets the first call there? And- I think it's
1: going to be Sam Heward. And I, I'm not sure. I know Patrick O'Brien had some injuries creep up and I think it was, mm-hmm hand, elbow, that, shoulder yeah. related. So yeah, that I think didn't help. that's going to factor in if he's healthy. I think you'll see Patrick O'Brien play before mm-hmm. Sam Heward. If he's not all the way back, I don't think that it'll be worth rushing him right. and they'll give Sam the go ahead. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, injuries are held tight to the the vest there. So not yeah. really sure how he's progressed in his rehab, but and even Hopefully. if he's
0: suited up, he still could be, he still could have a knock. Like that. Right. It's going to be hard to tell, I think, if he's actually healthy unless he actually plays, obviously. So,
1: yeah. So, either way, it's going to be really exciting. Sam Heward's likely going to play at some point. Again, Montana is not a Pac 12 team, not a, a D1 team, but Montana is a hell of a lot better than any competition Sam Heward ever saw at the high school level. So, it's going to be a step up in game time competition and it'll be good to see how he, he reacts to that opportunity. Again, knock on what hopefully we're in commanding place in the game that he's able to come in. Yep. Um, but looking forward to seeing that for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, five-star talent, true freshman quarterback, you don't those don't come, come around very often to UW. So it'll be exciting to see what he, what he's all about when he's actually on the field in the game. Sam, I was gonna—I forgot, failed to mention when we were doing our "What you sipping on" segment. How did you fail to have Montana on, on, on in the lineup this this week? Is it is it because you don't want to, like, respect Montana this week? Or... No, no, no. I
1: have I have nothing but great things to say about Montana and their unofficial, official beer of Montana, Montucky. <laughs> I'm saving those for
0: game day. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I just was I was curious because I was like, I mean, Montana Colts now would be perfect for Montana game week, which I guess you're just saving them for for the actual game. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Tall voice.
1: Oh yeah, of course.
0: boy. Yeah. Attaboy. boy. All right. We do have a little bit more of a discussion, I think, when it comes to tailback, running back, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um. Obviously, I if for you long time listeners and you listened to one of our first episodes last year, when the depth chart came out against the cat against the cow bears, which we ended up not playing that game. But when our first depth chart was released in 2020, I think this was the position group that we paid the most, or like probably spent the most time discussing. We were, pissed. and it was, and it, yeah, it was in a bad way. Uh, this is, I think Sam, I, I, I think, if I'm quoting you correctly, you said uh, you should wad this up and use it as toilet paper and then clog, clog your toilet with it and then plunger it and then make sure that it, it goes bye-bye forever.
1: That sounds like something I would say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think I added the, the last part on a little bit, but you did say, I think you watered up and then use it as toilet paper. Cause yeah. A piece of garbage. No, not to
1: get too crazy, but I'm a little bit more a fan of the folding technique than the wad, but that's for another, that's so for am another I, So am I,
0: so am I, so am I, that, that's fair. That's fair. But I'm pretty sure you did say watered up.
1: I might have. That's how much disrespect I have. Well, because
0: I, like, yeah, why would you, if you have disrespect for a depth chart, why would you fold it nicely? before you're about to wipe your ass with it, I guess, but whatever. Um, Anyway, it looks a lot better this year.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is what I expected to see last year. We've got Richard Newton or Cameron Davis listed as your starters, and then Mm -hmm. Kamari Pleasant or Sean McGrew listed as your backups. This is what we hoped to see last year. Last year, it was inverse. It was exactly the opposite, and I think, you know, these four have a lot in common. They're kind of been viewed in tandem in a lot of ways where Mm -hmm. Kamari Pleasant, Sean McGrew were the older guys on campus and Richard Newton, Cameron Davis were the up-and-coming younger talent. And I'm happy to see that the the younger and more upside talents are are getting the nod going into this year.
0: Yeah, for I mean, obviously just the – the um, you you say talent. I just say like the the more game breaker types yeah. of running they're just, backs. They're just better. Now. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're gonna get a lot more uh, consistent. I think uh, production from our running backs this year. Not that that it was bad last year, but I think that you're gonna see a lot more explosion, and we're gonna be able to just absolute absolutely dominate teams with our running game, especially with these two spearheading the attack.
1: Yeah, I think you've got a nasty offensive line that blocks with some attitude. And with Richard Newton, Cameron Davis, they bring that same attitude to their running style. Mm-hmm. So I think those two will mesh really well with one another. The one name that I'll, I'll call out, obviously I've been a big fan of, that hasn't debuted on the depth chart is redshirt freshman... JV on Sunday and he's not part of the two deeps here even though I mean there's four running backs listed here right. I think part of it was a nod to the fifth or maybe even 60 or seniors in Kamari Pleasant and Sean McGrew but don't be surprised if if Sunday throws his hat in the running for that top spot at some point this year and it'll well, be, he, should again, get
0: a, he should get a chance in Montana right so yeah
1: so again like really pleading with the Husky fans here. Even if the game gets out of control early, you really want to still stay engaged in the game and watch some of these future Husky players. And the future could come sooner than you think, whether it is a guy like Sam Heward or JV on Sunday, it'll be really fun to get a first look of these guys in game action. I'm like salivating, cannot wait to watch this game (laughs) just for that fact.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm. I feel the exact same way. All right, we should talk about these wide receivers a little bit too. Um, I would say I, it's not like a like a crazy surprise here or anything, especially with the development of Jalen McMillan's injury. Right. But I would say it's it's maybe a slight surprise that uh, Jalen Polk or Jalen Polk, however you say is name. It's Jalen. I figured it, that out. It's yesterday. Yesterday. Jalen. Jalen. Okay. Yeah. Um, Jalen Polk is listed as a starter, um, uh, amongst the three wide receivers. So you got Jalen Polk, Terrell Bynum and Roman Dunze, the latter two. We're not surprised about at all. Those guys have been running with the ones, basically all of camp. Jalen's been running with a lot of the twos, um, Mm -hmm. for uh, most of camp and Taj Davis was really the one that was getting some run with the ones, especially in their scrimmages. Um, so it was just kind of interesting to me that, that, uh, They chose Jalen over Taj, even though Jalen has obviously more in-game experience at collegiate level. So, do you think that that's what factored in to their decision? Maybe.
1: Yeah, maybe he's been just a more consistent contributor throughout spring and fall, and he hasn't
0: been bad. Like he, like he's made plays basically with whatever group he's been running with, and he's gotten a little bit of snaps with the ones, but it's mostly been with the twos. I feel like so. Yeah, just interesting.
1: you could make the argument that he has had the most consistently sure hands throughout spring and fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's never been in the practice report write-ups as dropping passes. I think that's kind of his, right. his niche role on, on this wide receiver core is that he really Sure-handed. has sure hands. And so I think this might be a nod to just the level of consistency that he's played at. Obviously, As we've mentioned, like Taj Davis has come on really hot the last two weeks or so. But honestly, the way that I look at this wide receiver room, I think Terrell Bynum, Romo Dunze are for sure you're going to be your one and two. Jalen McMillan's going to be in there once he gets healthy, but we don't know when that's going to be. Sounds like he had surgery on his hand, so it could be a while. Mm -hmm. And then outside of that, I think it's going to be nobody – nobody has seemed to really separate themselves through practice in any major way. And I think in some ways they had to put a blindfold on and throw a dart at a dartboard and pick a third starter. And it was sure. Jalen Polk. And I think you're going to see a lot of guys rotating in Giles yep. Jackson, the transfer from Michigan is going to get some playing time. Taj Davis is, as we've mentioned, don't forget about Sawyer Roccanelli. He's another sure-handed big body, almost looks like a tight end out there at times, so again, the same theme with this Montana game, it'll be really exciting to watch which wide receivers make plays and step up when we need them to. And I think that can be a, a big indicator moving forward into the season in terms of who our top guys are at the position because I don't think that it's really been decided.
0: Oh for sure yeah, especially that third third wide receiver like I mean I guess yeah. that's mostly what you're talking about, but um, the wide receiver, room in general, I think is fairly open outside of Terrell Bynum. Um, Rome, like I think has somewhat solidified himself in that spot, but he's still a very unproven player. Yeah. Um, he's definitely probably got the most talent out of everyone else in the room, but yeah. he's, he's still relatively unproven. If he starts dropping passes, like they're going to, he'll have a pretty quick leash. I think and they'll rotate someone else in there.
1: Yeah. I think the way that I look at it is Terrell Bynum and Romo Dunze have secured playing time. Sure. I can look at any of those names that I just mentioned, and I wouldn't be surprised if any of them ended up being our number one receiver statistically at the end of the year. So Terrell Bynum, Romo Dunze are going to be mainstays in the rotation throughout the year, but I'm not confident that that either one of them are going to be for sure. Our number one go-to guy like Jalen Polk, Taj Davis, Giles Jackson, Sawyer Rocconelli, McMillan, when he gets back any one of those, I could see, catching fire and, you know, being the top dog. So I don't think that the wide receiver room is settled in that way at all. But again, Terrell Bynum and Romo Dunze seem the most, at least in the best position to be that person, but Mm kind of have to wait to see it to believe it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think, if we're talking just the passing game in general, like KDOT is going to be obviously a huge factor in the passing yeah. game as well. And you're going to see a lot of two tight end sets, I think, because Jack Westover is honestly a pretty damn good weapon out of the backfield or out of, out of a tight end position as well. Yeah. He's too. a crazy think... good athlete. Yeah. And I think that's, that's honestly, I don't know if enough people are talking about him. Um, I think he's going to be a pretty, pretty integral part of this offense in, yeah. in some cool ways as well. So Anyway, um, I think I think all these guys are obviously capable at the wide receiver position. Though it's one of the positions that I'm definitely watching with a keen eye. Though I think especially on the early part of the year and see who kind of separates themselves um, mm-hmm. with not only snap counts but just like playmaking ability. Um, I I go back to like whenever we saw Puka as a freshman, right? And it was just like so obvious that like he had a different type of playmaking ability than right. any of the other receivers. Who is that guy in this receiver room? And I think he could circle a few names that it could be, but we haven't seen anyone actually do it on the field yet. So it'll be exciting to see how that develops. All right. Should we switch over to defense?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Cool. Uh, I think I'll let you talk about the de- defensive linemen because I know you're super high on both these guys, and I am too, obviously, but you've talked about them a lot. And um, you you talk a lot about, like, the tandems and these kind of, like, these these duos per se basically that that develop on on this defensive line
1: yeah i think you're throwing it over to my side of the fence because you don't want to say their last names
0: <laughs> truly latuli gasanoa and sam Taimani.
1: latuli nasanoa the g is kind of like an, an n is it really yeah
0: oh okay i'm pretty
1: i'm pretty sure tuli that, that sounds good. That sounds better. But yeah, your two <laughs> interior defensive linemen are going to be Tule Latuli Nasanoa, Sam Taimani. And this is their year to shine. I mean, we've seen really stout defensive linemen move on from UW into the NFL. Greg Gaines, Vita Vea, Elijah Qualls, Levi Onzarike. The list goes on. And it's really, these guys team. It's their defense. It's their time to shine. Mm-hmm. Sam Taimani played really well at times last year, and then at some points he he broke down a little bit. I more than anything write that up to him being really the only stalwart on that defense, and he garnered a lot of attention because Thule was out with injury for the first two games of the season. He wasn't even at hundred percent the final two games that he played. So, having those two guys playing in tandem next to each other at full strength, I think is going to be a formidable duo in terms of particularly stuffing the run. But Thule is sneaky athletic, and I think he's going to collapse the pocket up the middle on passing downs as well. So, I'm looking forward to what the two of them can do. And then, Connor, like you mentioned, we really run or our defensive strategy, we build these tandems, these duos to hockey shift in and out. And then in the class behind those two, we brought in some highly regarded recruits, Fa- Fa'atui Tuitele and Jacob Bandes. Noah N'Galu was also part of that mm-hmm. class. And you're going to see Fa'atui Tuitele and Jacob Bandes really secure those backup spots and then also, as we've mentioned with Bob Gregory, taking over the helm as defensive coordinator, we're going to be less stubborn to move to a three down lineman front. And so when that's the case, you're going to see Thule, Sam Taimani. He actually also, his nickname is Taki. So it's tuley and Taki are your starters. Mm-hmm. And then if they bring in a third lineman, I think right now you're going to see Tutele, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jacob Bandez puts his name in there eventually, but Long way of saying it is we're super deep because then you could take those duos, another class beyond that. You have the true freshman Void Tanufi and uh, Kuo Pehopa. And it's the future is bright at this position when you're able to recruit two of the top defensive linemen in the West region out of high school every year. And there's not a lot of big boys on the West side of the country. It's really hard to recruit them. And that's just you know tip of the cap to really kaika Malloy, who has been our D line coach, has recruited and filled the the cupboards full with talent. There, um, he's now moved on to be our offensive line or our outside, outside linebackers coach. And Rip Rowan is a I think he was a quality quality control, quality control coach specialist or something, yeah. And so he's moved in to be our our D line coach, but things should be solid up up the middle of this defensive line for sure.
0: Yeah, that's – our run defense is a little leaky last year, and I think a lot of that revolved around Thule not being healthy was the first thing, and then obviously we've talked about the second thing is just not adapting and being too stubborn with our, our defensive scheme. And it sounds like two, both of those things are – you know, check marks this year that Tuli is healthy going into the year. He's trimmed down a little bit. He's absolutely dominating practices. Obviously Taki's doing the same thing, but yeah. Tuli Thule is really the guy that kind of runs the engines, I think to this defensive line. And he seems um, to be
1: building into a bit more of a vocal leader, which we haven't seen out of sure. him in the past, which is yep. great to see.
0: Yeah, for sure. And obviously you think back to, you know, the Vita Veas, the Greg Gaines, like they had a great duo, you, back, you think back to Levi, who was, I guess Levi was with Greg Gaines for one year, I think too, right? Yeah. And then
1: he was with Josiah Bronson.
0: And then, yeah, I mean, Josiah was meh, I guess, but like he was, he was still a quality player. Yep. Um, but I think Tule's ev- uh, easily to the same level as like Levi. I don't think he's probably a Vita V or anything like that, but um, I think I could see him definitely on par with like a Greg Gaines or, uh, or a um, uh, Levi Onzerike that might honestly be a pretty good comparison is, is when those two were together to these two. yeah, So, yeah. and that was a good year. So, uh, all right, here's the part where Sam might start to get a little bit pissed.
1: <laughs> I'm not pissed. It's just shocking, but I guess like segueing into the outside linebacker unit, yep. when you mentioned our struggles against the run at times, I think the other component to that really was not only was, Tully not healthy, as you mentioned, but Ryan Bowman wasn't healthy either. Yep, and for sure. He's another fifth-year, sixth-year-type COVID senior guy, and he is really stout at holding the edge against the run. And when he was in the game the first two games of the season, run defense was not an issue at all. And then I, I don't know what his deal was. I think the rumors were he caught COVID – and he missed the two last games and we've really struggled containing the run. I think he had a, his absence was really felt there for sure. So I think having him back solidifying one of our outside linebacker positions this year is going to be great. And I think he'll be a real mainstay a leadership presence on the defense. So be good to have him back. And I think he'll help shore up some of that leaky run defense we saw last year but I think what you were alluding to, what might get my feathers ruffled up a little bit is who's going to be the starter opposite of him. And I'll, I'll let you introduce that group.
0: Yeah. Uh, Cooper McDonald is getting the nod. And obviously I think Sam and I both anticipated this being Braylon Trice uh, at this position, uh, just yeah. based on all reports and everything, obviously Braylon Trice was someone that Sam featured heavily in his predictions for this season. Um, I think this one, honestly, Sam, I this is one of the ones that you take with a grain of salt. I think Cooper McDonald is probably going to get your first snaps, but I don't know if he's going to get the most snaps. And I think especially like this is probably like your run defense, like Cooper McDonald's probably your most sound run defender on the other side, as far as, far as like assignment sound, Braylon tries to yeah. really young player. Super enticing from a pass rush standpoint, but obviously has no experience and usually uh, young players struggle with containment issues, even though Cooper McDonald's obviously a, a young player, but he's just a little bit more assignment sound when it comes to this stuff. And he, and he, he got a lot last of playing time. Year. Yeah, he yeah. got a lot of playing time last year, too, and played well, honestly. Um Jeremiah Martin and Savelle Smalls were kind of the other two guys that could have fe- factored into this. I do find it kind of interesting that Jeremiah Martin isn't backing up Ryan Bowman, at least how they're listing it. Cause he's like you said, he's a little bit of that like larger outside linebacker, almost like defensive end type. Um, so I, that was a little bit interesting to me, but um, aside from that point, Cooper McDonald is, is listed as your starter. And then it's Jeremiah Martin or Braylon Trice is the backups. I I think that you're going to see all of those guys play a lot on Saturday. And this is probably one of those positions that you kind of look for similar to that third wide receiver position that there might be someone that kind of rises to the cream of the crop at some point this season. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're just giving Cooper kind of the first shot at it, I think.
1: Yeah. And again, my, my first take on this is no knock to Cooper McDonald. I think he's a hell of a young player and is going to be a great Husky when things are all said and done. He came in at the same position as Savelle Smalls with a yep. lot less fanfare. I mean, Savelle's yep. obviously highly regarded five-star local kid. He's deserves all of that hype. And he's going to factor into this position group in a major way this year as well. But Cooper McDonald from Texas, he's got some bloodlines. His older brother has been a standout linebacker for San Diego state for a number of years. And, He's just a really hard-nosed, blue-collar defensive player and just an all-around good football player. So I have no qualms with him getting playing time. I think my reaction to this is anxiety around why Braylon Trice is not listed as a starter Mm -hmm. based on all of the hype that the coaches have done to hype him up to be, you know, he's in – the same or better position as Joe, Joe Tryon was at this point in his development, like really putting Braylon Trice on the pedestal to be the next guy, the right. next, you know, ZTF that comes out of nowhere and is a sack artist. And so seeing him not only not listed as the starter, but then third, even below. I mean, I know it's Jeremiah Martin or Braylon Trice, but he's like, third on that list. He's the fourth or fifth listed outside linebacker makes me nervous that something may have happened behind closed doors. And he's getting like the Richard Newton treatment from last year, where he's obviously Mm -hmm. a better player or could provide an element to the game that other players can't, but he's not getting the snaps for some behind closed doors reason. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely you know, speculating and jumping to conclusions behind that. Sure. But it just doesn't sit well with me based on everything that we've been told, everything that we've seen with our own eyes, attending practices in the spring game, like him not being the starter is just really surprising to me. And I'm just nervous that there's something going on there that we don't know about yet. And I yeah. guess we'll find out on at this Saturday, right. like right. If he's out there playing then I'm not concerned about it. But if he Mm -hmm. doesn't get any snaps, then I'm like, okay, something happened.
0: Yeah, I'm not there yet. And like you said, I think if if we get to Saturday and if he's not suited up or if he just doesn't get any snaps, I think it's probably even more concerning if he is suited up and then doesn't get any snaps that something weird is happening behind closed doors. Obviously, if he's not suited up, then he's just not healthy. And that obviously isn't a good thing either, but would obviously explain maybe some of this as well so um i'm not freaking out i I think cooper mcdonald's a good player i honestly think that no matter who you throw out there honestly at this outside linebacker group i think they're all talented we're maybe not super proven besides ryan bowman but i think there's a lot of talent in the room um and i'm not super concerned about that position at least at this point of the year We'll know a lot more once we have some game film to study. So
1: yeah, and before moving off the position, we got to talk about some cryptic tweets.
0: Yeah, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and uh, go into that a little bit?
1: So your boy ZTF sent out another cryptic tweet today. What did he say? He was like, "It's almost here." Uh, I can't so close. It
0: or... It's so close it hurts, or something like that. I yeah. think. Yeah.
1: So that's the other name. I mean, I think once ZTF is healthy, we're six players deep. At, at these two positions. Right. That's a damn good place to be for a football team.
0: No doubt. And yeah, with all the cryptic t- tweets that ZTF keeps spilling out there, I mean, it's hard to not think that he's going to be back sooner rather than later. And what that means timeline wise, I have no idea, but it certainly seems ahead of schedule ahead of that November date that they had kind of put out there as the earliest he's- date that he could be out there. Like, I think he's out there packed twelve play. Like I, I'm honestly kind of predicting him to start that Cal game now it
1: feels like he should be playing in that Cal game based on the vibes that we're picking up on.
0: Right. Um, I, I honestly like if he's, if he's not going to play at Michigan, don't play him against Arkansas state, <laughs> like just yes. wait until the Cal game at that point. So that's kind of my thinking uh, behind that is I doubt he's cleared to play for the Michigan game, but could be cleared to play for maybe that Cal game the other, the other game that I've circled is maybe after the bye week that UCLA game at home. I think that would be a natural place for him to yeah. fit in as well. Um, just given that extra week of rest and obviously kind of get back into game shape, obviously he's doing that now, but, um, be a little bit more involved in the game plan for a couple of weeks going into that, that UCLA game is, is the other prediction that I have. If he's not suiting up for that Cal game, I, I think November's off the table at this point, though. I would yeah. I would be surprised if he's not playing in October at this point. So,
1: yeah, I totally agree.
0: All right, uh, not much to talk about. I don't think it inside linebacker. It's the two two guys that we've predicted the whole time we're going to start. Um, at least, I mean, from practice reports, at least, and yeah, obviously, uh, Eddie Ulufusiio is one of the best, if not the best, middle linebacker in the country coming back. Um, God, I'm going to miss that guy so much whenever he leaves. I'm going to enjoy watching him so much this year, but I already know I'm going to miss him so much. Yeah, he's um, a solid just, player. Well, just because it, it gets kind of scary behind him, honestly. Um, Jackson Sermon is the other guy here, and we have had our fair share of complaints about Jackson Sermon, but all reports are that he's had a really good offseason. He looked really good in my eyes in the spring game whenever yep. I watched him there. Um, he looks more explosive. He looks faster to the ball. He looks more instinctive. Um, he was more physical. So those are all the things that we've been asking Jackson Sermon to accomplish. So hopefully that actually comes to fruition in a game. But um, all indications are that he has he has put in the work this offseason to improve and it, it sounds like it's paying off. I guess the biggest notes at inside linebacker would probably be with the backups. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know that you're really high on like someone like Alfonso Tupatala who has a big injury right now. Yeah. We don't know if he's out for the year. I guess it hasn't been indicated that he's out for the year, but he's for sure out an extended period of time at this point.
1: Yeah. He suffered an injury towards the end of spring. He was in a boot and on a cart. So read into that what you want. But mm-hmm. to me, it looked awfully similar when he was scooter buddies with ZTF. So right. I have no idea, but Achilles is kind of where I'm leaning on that one sure which is too bad because I thought he was going to be the next guy up at this position but we likely won't be seeing too much of him in the 2021-2022 season
0: yeah um but the guys that you will see MJ Tafisi um which is kind of like a a, a new old name or old yep. new name however you want to call it um didn't play a lot last year but played quite a bit as a true freshman. Um, before he suffered an injury and actually was he started a couple games too, didn't he? His true freshman year, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, so he came into the same class alongside Jackson Sermon. And those two were really battling for that spot alongside Eddie Lafoscio. MJ Tefisi and well, It Lyme. was Eddie
0: later though, wasn't it? Because it was um Wellington. Wellington I think was starting starting. Yeah. And then it was, yeah, Jackson Sermon slash uh, MJ Tafisi I think it's the yeah
1: and so Tafisi ended up getting a pretty nasty stinger like mm-hmm. pretty significant injury that he's been rehabbing on for quite a while and it sounds like on all the reports that we've seen that he has passed that and he's starting to build up on his old form and mm-hmm. I think he, he's an intriguing player I mean he hits like a Mack truck
0: yeah which yeah. I like oh yeah <laughs> how do you not like that um yeah he I mean he had some really physical plays even as a true freshman too he had he had really good size for a true freshman and it it was a bummer when he went down because I think our linebacker play honestly suffered quite a bit obviously Eddie ended up coming out of that situation so it was kind of a a blessing in disguise I guess but MJ was a, a quality player as well so he's a name to watch uh and then at the other position uh backing up Eddie you got uh, Daniel Haimuli, who we've mentioned has some kind of knock right now. We're not sure how long he's going to be out. Um, I don't think it's season ending for him. He'll probably be back um, early in the conference season is kind of what it what it sounds like or is speculated as um, based on his his uh, knee dislocation injury is kind of the report. Unofficial report, I should say. But the other guy to watch here is is Carson. Is it Breiner? Is that how you say it? Or Brunner. It's
1: Bruner's. He's Mark Bruner's son, the tight end from the early
0: 90s. Gotcha. Yeah, 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 That's right. Um and he was a freshman last year and is a freshman obviously again this year because of COVID. I think he was he's a walk on though. Is that correct?
1: No, Bruner got a scholarship late in the process. Oh, he think he's the
0: guy he's the guy that moved from outside to inside. I'm, think, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking yeah, thinking um, Drew
1: Fowler from Bellevue. Yeah.
0: Well, Drew Fowler and then there's the other guy too that Ben Hines, yeah ben hines those are the other two guys that i'm thinking about but anyway inside linebacker like those are kind of the five guys that are are on scholarship um that that um you have right now and you really only have four of them healthy so it's it's pretty thin at that linebacking core right now but uh carson's been someone that's kind of bounced inside and outside a little bit early in his career and he's back inside now Um, and it sounds like he's had some really good practices lately. So he's, he's for sure going to factor into the rotation. Um, and I'm excited to see, see what he could, he could possibly bring as well.
1: Yeah. I'm excited to see what he can do. He's obviously, like I mentioned, football's in his blood. UW football, even more so is in his blood. He plays with a violent, violent style, which you gotta have gotta have it out of your inside linebackers, even outside linebackers. So again, he's a, a freshman. He was on the team last year. He, you know, redshirted, but it's a COVID redshirt. So really young player, but I imagine Carson Bruner is going to be a mainstay in the linebacking rotation for quite a while. He's going to be a hell of a player as he continues to build up his body. He was on the smaller side coming in out of high school Mm-hmm. he's like 62 63 ish and i think he was you know 195 200 coming in he's already up to 230 he can probably even yeah. carry some more good weight on top of that just given i mean our older listeners are going to remember his dad long time nfl tight end as well And mark bruner i mean this guy's got the athletic gene and he'll be a solid player so happy to see that he's starting to carve out a name for himself in the purple and gold and it'll be exciting to see how that develops
0: no doubt all right as we shift to the secondary this is a little bit different than they've listed the secondary in the past and obviously i'm really excited about how they listed this honestly but um i know that uh it There is some pause here just because it's a little bit confusing. They just are listing five defensive backs. They're not even listing cornerbacks and safeties, or they usually listed defensive back and safeties, I think is how they've listed it in the past. Um, isn't that isn't that true, or am I am I wrong about that?
1: I'm not sure.
0: I feel like they've listed safeties, or at least I guess maybe I know for sure.
1: No, they have for sure listed free safety, strong safety, whether it was cornerback, cornerback, nickel or cornerback, 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 or DB, DB, DB. I don't know, right. but this is for sure the first year where they've kind of been, I mean, I'm not frustrated with the players that they're listing here. I'm frustrated with like, it's just kind of playing at coy. And I don't know sure. why they can't just put it down the way that they're actually going to play.
0: That's fair. I do think your best five defensive backs at least this year are your starters though.
1: Yeah, I that's, would agree. That's
0: why I'm fired up about that. And the biggest thing, um, that, the, the the biggest, I guess, confusing part about this is that the nickel corner position was a hotly contested position group during both the spring and fall between Brendan Radley Hiles, the big transfer from Oklahoma and Cameron, uh, Camfab, I don't remember how you say his last fabric.
1: Fabiculonin.
0: Fabiculonin. Fib- okay. Okay. Camfab. Yeah. Camfab <laughs> is I'm way at right cooler. Now. Yeah. But Camfab, obviously uh, a little bit bigger, and then Brendan really rally house is a little bit smaller. Both honestly really physical though at that nickel corner position. And um, both were I mean both stood out in yeah. in the spring in a big way. And all reports are that both were making a bunch of plays in the fall. And now both of them are listed as starters. And that's, that's the interesting thing. I think the most interesting thing about this, this lineup at the, in the secondary is that both of those guys are listed as starters. So how they actually line up. I'm not sure who is, who is playing safety. Who's playing nickel. It sounds like Radley Hiles was the one to actually win the nickel position. And Mm -hmm. based on like the backups, To these players that would be the indication but at the same time there might be a little bit like that might be why they're listing just five defensive backs there might be some interchangeability and some versatility with all of these guys I think Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon are obviously your guys outside but I think with the other three you could move them around a little bit
1: yeah for sure I mean it'll be interesting again it's just I don't like the depth chart games. I don't know. I'm just sure. it rubs me the wrong way. Um, like I could see a scenario where you know that these are our best, you know, our top five, best five defensive backs. And Jimmy Lake wants to throw, you know, Cameron Fabiculan in a bone because he played so well, even though he may or may not have lost out on that nickel starting spot with Brendan Radley Hiles. So maybe he's like, well, screw it. We'll just like list them all as our best five DBs. And then you see a situation where cam fab isn't actually starting. He's backing up Brendan Radley Hiles as the nickel. It's just, it's really confusing to me. And I, I just don't appreciate it as a fan. It doesn't need to be this way, but I guess it like makes you want to tune into the game a bit more to see what happens. But again, to more directly answer your question, for sure, there's a lot of interchangeability with these guys. To your point, Trent McDuffie, Kyler Gordon are solidified as your outside corners. Jacoby Covington and a walk on from O'Day, uh, Michelle Palo, Powell.
0: really good player has come
1: on really hot. He's like the next walk on to scholarship candidate for sure. He's going to be the backup at the other outside corner. Those four guys are pretty locked in. Like, I don't see that changing. Maybe Elijah Jackson, you know, returns from some of his nagging injuries and takes Powell's spot, Mm -hmm. but those are your outside corners. And then this nickel safety nonsense is like totally up in the air. We've seen Julius Irvin the playing time that he's gotten last year. He's going to be a the, safety. He was playing at nickel, so he can play nickel. Yeah, he got toasted by. Yeah, he's
0: he's going to be a safety. So he's, he's, he's he, he he can't play nickel. <laughs> so
1: he's got he's got to be a safety. So again, that leaves us with Cam Fab and Brendan Radley Hiles list as the two other starters. One has to be a nickel. One has to be a safety. Cam fab has not played a lot of safety. He's really been pretty specialized at that nickel spot. Brennan Radley hiles. While all indications point towards him being the better nickel between the two and likely the winner of that job. He is the one of those two that has played big time football at the safety position. Going back Mm -hmm. to his days at Oklahoma, he played safety.
0: His playing style like fits safety too, in some ways or another, like, yeah,
1: Like, and then you also look at the backup behind bookie is Dominique Hampton, who has been an outside corner his entire time (laughs) this year. He moved to safety. So it's like the backups behind cam fab or Alex cook and Asa Turner, you're starting safeties from last year. So it's like the backups behind both of these guys are safeties. So it's just confusing as all hell to figure out who's the nickel, who's the safety Alex Cook, Asa Turner, Cameron Williams, Dominic Hampton all have played more in a Husky uniform than Brendan Radley-Hiles, Julius Irvin, and Cam Fab. So it's like you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys between nickel and the two safety spots, and it's like who knows what the hell's going on. That's how I feel.
0: I get it. <laughs> I get it. Especially just like with like that whirlwind of – words that you just gave us.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like one day, it's it's like, oh, Cam Williams and Dom Hampton are your starting safeties. Well, now they're backups. Asa Turner's got injured. He's coming back. He's going to be, you know, incumbent starter. Well, he's listed third on the depth chart at, I don't even know, nickel or safety. Probably safety. There's no way he can play nickel. Like, I don't even know what to make of this.
0: All I know is basically all these guys are going to play on Saturday. So... (laughs)
1: They're all going to play, and they're all pretty damn good.
0: Yes, and they're I'm all good. I'm
1: not worried. I'm just frustrated. Sure. Jimmy me, like, playing these goddamn mind games with me.
0: You got to trust that they're going to put the right players in the right positions for the most part, though, especially when it comes to secondary. They usually nailed that. Besides, oh, yeah. But he's not starting, so we should be fine. Yeah. I'm really excited about Julius Ervin.
1: And at the end of the day, you know, Sam, calm yourself down. It'll be fun to see some new faces. It will. It'll be fun to see Cam Fab, Julius Irvin,
0: and you're probably expected. You would have expected from all reports that Cameron Williams, the backup to Julius Irvin on this depth chart, would be starting where Cam Fab is probably. Yes. Right. So like, and then Dominic Hampton again, like you said, would would have been backing up probably Julius Irvin at that point. So it's 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 a it is confusing. Yeah, it is confusing.
1: Hot mess.
0: So Dom Hampton, like, in the box on a rundown at nickel corner. Sounds real good. Would be something. Basically
1: so, a linebacker.
0: Yeah, would be something. So anyway, it, it'll oh, be interesting to see what they do.
1: Yeah, the only other call-out I'll, I'll throw on here for people that don't follow the offseason too closely is you are going to have your eyes drawn to Brendan Radley-Hiles, as we call him, bookie he wears number 44. He's a little bit on the smaller side, 5'9, 180, but he is a nasty dude. He's got like one of the all time cheap shots I've ever seen <laughs> last year against LSU when he was playing for Oklahoma. I mean, he is out head hunting mm-hmm. and he's going to get ejected from a game this year. Like that's just going to happen, but you got to Jojo
0: McIntosh in like a, in like a midget, frame from jojo
1: yeah he's going to be an exciting player he's got great hands he's going to make plays he wears number 44 which is going to look super sick on his jersey you never Mm -hmm. see a db wearing number 44 so i love it Mm -hmm. but he's definitely going to draw your attention to him in more ways than one hopefully more good than bad but i'm excited to see him Oh yeah. The shining lights of the game day. I am so pumped. And he's like in a very short order established himself as a leader of that death row dog mentality defense. He's nasty, dude. I love it.
0: I'm all about it, dude. Um, I'm honestly excited to see all these guys play and obviously just UW play in general. So, uh, quick note on the specialist i just I, I wanted to just call out that trent mcduffie is listed as your punt returner yeah so we gotta be i mean i think he was basically off last year too and he said that he didn't play after the first game at punt returner so i don't remember the depth charts for the other three games i blacked that out i 2020 doesn't exist to me anymore so
1: yeah i know he was like trading off with romo Dunze and kyler gordon Yeah, Trent McDuffie is our best punt returner for sure. Oh, for sure. But he's also your best defensive player. Yep. So like that's kind of the risk that you play. But
0: Jimmy, Jimmy talked about him specifically as a punt returner though, in in his press conference. I don't remember if it was this week. It it was was last week. week. It was. It was this week. week. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm fired up about that. I
1: love having a a defensive guy be be my punt returner, and he kind of took it the route of like I really like the the grit and physicality that a defensive punt returner brings. But I also think what he didn't say, which is probably even more true than what he did say is defensive guys, especially someone like a Trent McDuffie, they love to have the ball in their hands and they don't get that opportunity very often. So you kind of yep. got to find that fine line where he's going to take a little bit more risks and he's gonna, I think he's going to house one this year. I really, yeah. I, gotta think that he will he was really
0: close last year and like his first chance so yeah yeah.
1: how many do you think he'll get more than one it's so hard i mean what dante pettis did was just insane
0: yeah and he's not i I wouldn't say he's like a punt return specialist but he's really exciting back there just because he's such a jitterbug
1: if he's your best
0: he's but he's your best football player on the team team though right sam no kate Otten is. come on dude I'm going to bring you over to the, to this side, to the dark side. It's, I mean, it's damn
1: close. I mean, it's really, it is an argument for sure to be made. And I think in the past I may have been a little bit dismissive of it to make a point, but Kate Otten is the guy.
0: They're both good players. They're both very good players.
1: It's a good debate to be having Connor.
0: Well, and we're probably going to be debating it all year. So (laughs) I look forward, I look forward to kind of who puts up bigger numbers throughout the year. All right. Uh, I think that probably does it for the depth chart talk. I mean, uh, if we're
1: on specialists, we should at least like breeze through your Oh sure. place sure. kicker is going to be Peyton Henry. He's been there for a while. He's pretty solid from 40 and in. He's really accurate. <laughs> he's not going to boom them from beyond that.
0: Race Porter lining up for a game winning kick against Oregon. I'm sorry. I just, I'll never be able to forgive that. So well, maybe he'll be able to do. He's that been pretty good since then. This but yes,
1: race Porter will be your punter. Your kickoff returner is going to be Giles Jackson or Cameron Davis. You're probably going to see both of them back there. Jackson had a couple of electrifying returns in the Michigan Wolverine uniform. That'll be a good topic for us going into the following week. His return to his old school, he's going to be obviously juiced up for that. But
0: Opening kick to the house.
1: Yeah, I could see it. He's really good. Opening kick to the house. He's really good. And then your long snapper, Jaden Green, he, last year was his first year his first snap was a really bad one <laughs> you never heard from him again he's solid yeah. back there so he i you probably won't hear much from him this year which is always a good thing and then race porter is also going to be your holder for all of your kicks race porter and peyton henry have kind of grew up together in in this specialist unit they're really comfortable with one another so i think you have a good thing going there but, race
0: porter's got a little bit of john ryan to him too he's he's a little flashy yeah, for for a punter and, and and he's
1: he is sneaky athletic he was he in the top five yes. in some of the agility drills in off-season training so
0: mm-hmm. could be see fun to little,
1: watch could see a little you know razzle dazzle
0: yeah <laughs> <PNT> <laughs> we'll,
1: fake field goal fake
0: we'll see yeah I, would, I wouldn't check, put it boy. yeah right for sure. Oh, man, I still laugh so much at that highlight. Absolutely, um,
1: One of the best ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, so good. I just loved how we were still, like, losing the game by nine at that point whenever he did that, and it had done absolutely nothing. Obviously, we end up winning the game. It's a great story. Yeah. But, like, if we hadn't scored again, that would look like one of the stupidest moves ever. <laughs> but it was John Ryan. Gotta love John Ryan.
1: Well, and it's the fact that he was mocking Aaron Rodgers, who... Oh, for you know, sure. If you know me well, I can't stand the guy. He's so arrogant and smells his own fart smug and he was like at the height of his state farm discount double check big commercial payday aaron Rodgers was john ryan throws that touchdown and just discount double checks right in front of his face it was awesome
0: yeah i would i would think that most of our listeners have seen that highlight but if you haven't obviously look it up on youtube it's a you, you type in John Ryan and that's probably the first thing that pops up. So
1: yeah, it's gotta be.
0: All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about this Montana team. I don't think we should spend too much time on, on, on their team, but there are just some notable players. Um, I guess I'll just start just most notably their, their starting quarterback. Uh, Cam Humphrey is from the area. He's from Issaquah. He's one of several players on their team that are from Washington and in, in the greater Puget sound area. A lot of you know, kind of that next level, next year of um, of football players end up going to Montana or Eastern Washington, kind of these Big Sky Conference types of teams, um, and so they have they have quite a few uh, Washington folk. But most notably, their quarterback Cam Humphrey is from the Issaquah area, so it'll be interesting to see how he plays, how he shapes up against, uh, and coming back home uh, to to the Seattle area.
1: Yeah. I think it'll be, you know, his family's obviously, obviously going to be there. So yeah, for sure. It's kind of a a cool story. And in some ways you hope that that's a good day for him, but in most, not too good, but not too good and it's probably going to be a really rough day for him. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's a cool story nonetheless to come back to your hometown and play in, in the stadium that he probably grew up idolizing, honestly. Sure. Yeah. Um, You know, talking about Montana and some of these, you know, quote unquote C games in the early season, usually you're out of conference is an A, B, C team. So an A team is like another top 25 team. A B game is maybe like a Rutgers or, you know, middle tier FBS team. And then a C game is like your FCS teams or a low american conference or low mountain west team so montana fits the the bill as a c team on in terms of scheduling a lot of the times when you go into those games you just expect to really win the game really more or less from a size and talent perspective typically you see that in the trenches more so than any other area although montana has a really good sized offensive line i can't attest to how well, they move or how athletic they sure. are, but they're all three hundred plus. They're big boys, so it'll yeah. be a, a good first game test for our defensive line. They should dominate, but it's not like they're going up against what you might expect to be offensive linemen more in that like two seventy to two eighty range. Mm-hmm. Montana's bringing some big old farm boys to play, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Now, on the flip side of that coin, their defensive line is more of what you would expect to see of a school of their caliber they are in that 270 280 range. So again, looking at the size of our offensive line, arguably one of the biggest offensive lines in the country against these undersized interior defensive linemen of Montana, we should be able to, as Jimmy Lake loves to say, run the damn ball. And I expect to see a lot of that.
0: No doubt. No doubt. You had a couple other players on here, Sam. Just a note, I haven't done any research on these guys, so I'll let you take the reins on this one.
1: Yeah, so just a couple of other players, one on offense. They have a a pretty legitimate wide receiver in Samuel Akem. Akem, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but he's a big body, 6'4", 210 pounds, and he's a senior He's in all of the Grizzly record books, and I think he's top 20 in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns, so he'll be a good opening game test for our defensive backs, not only is he proven in terms of being a productive wide receiver, but anytime you get a chance to play against a big body receiver and yeah get a first test like that, you know, you're going to see guys that size against Michigan, particularly against Stanford, a couple of other schools as well. So it'll be a good test for the DBs there. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I honestly, a little bit underwhelmed from what I see with Montana. They have uh, a linebacker that's played really well for them. I forget his first name. It's like Jason Lewis or Jace Lewis. I forget, Mm -hmm. but, he's, he's a pretty good tackler, but really the leader of their defense is their safety, Robbie Hawk. And he's actually their coach's son, Bobby Hawk's son. He's their, you know, team's leading tackler. He's averaged over, you know, right around nine tackles per game. He had 129 tackles in 2019. So read into that, what you will, he's a a good player for that level, but anytime your safety is the leading tackler on your team, that is not a good sign for what your defensive line and your linebackers are doing. So if you're catching the drift here, putting pieces together, I think you're going to be able to see our offense really grind out chunk yards on the ground. And Robbie Hawk is going to be bruised and battered and probably have 10 plus tackles against us. But all those tackles are going to happen five plus yards down the field and kind of too little too late. But He's a hell of a player for them, and keep an eye out on him because he'll likely make a play or two.
0: Shall we switch over to the UW side? Yep. I have this kind of as, like, position groups to watch more than anything just because I think a lot of guys are going to play. But how about each of us shout out, like, maybe one guy from each of these position groups that I have listed on here. If you wanted to add defensive back, I'd be okay with that because I think that is an interesting one as well. Yeah. The three – three position groups that I have listed on here, at least for now, are running backs, wide receivers, and outside linebackers, just because I think those are the most competitive positions and where you're going to see the most, uh, not necessarily turnover, but just like most opportunities like spread out between a a bunch of players to see kind of who rises to the cream of the crop. So,
1: yeah, I mean, kicking it off with running backs, I think we've got known commodities in Richard Newton, Sean McGrew, Kamari Pleasant, I think everybody's kind of waiting to see what we get out of cam davis he's been a hot name the last couple of years and just for one reason or another hasn't gotten his game day reps um the few that we've seen have been exciting gotten called back for holding penalties or whatnot but the guy that i've mentioned earlier that i'm you know sky high on is jv on sunday i think as the game winds down he's going to get a lot of reps and I think that's his style of play. It's like, hey, man, we're not passing the ball. Let's just keep running it and run the clock down, get out of here. And, I mean, I can't wait for Husky Nation to get their first glimpse of this kid because he is something else, and you're going to see it on Saturday. It's just not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So I am, you know, smiling ear to ear right now just talking about him because I can't wait to watch him play on Husky Saturday game day keep an eye out for number 26 JV on Sunday. He's going to be a fun running back to watch, especially in this game. I don't know who are, I, I imagine you're probably more excited to see someone like Cam Davis.
0: Yeah. I mean, for sure. I think, I think honestly, honestly, I'm a little bit more excited to see Richard Newton. I, I just want to see if what we saw over the offseason and all the reports are actually true about Newton and kind of, how that story develops throughout the year. I think Cam Davis, again, like we've talked about, is probably your best, like, all-around running back, at least kind of going into this year that has some game tape on him. But um, Richard Newton is your bruiser, and he fits the style of this offense really well. And I just want to see if he still comes out with that tenacity. Um, Obviously, I think he will. But how does he look? How healthy does he look? He looked really, really good in the spring game, like stood out a lot and popped in the spring game does he carry that over to the season? What does that look like? Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what Richard Newton's all about, but I think Cam Davis is probably my, my second check mark there. Um, as well as Jay, obviously I'm excited to see JV on too. I think basically all of us are excited to see the three running backs that aren't named Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant. So. True that. Fair. All right. Wide receiver. Do you have a name in mind that you're, you're kind of keeping your eye on in this game?
1: I don't know. This is a tough one. I, I, I'll I, be excited to see what the newcomer from the transfer from Texas Tech, Jalen Polk, brings, obviously being listed as a starter. He's going to get some reps. Be excited to see what Taj Davis brings uh, out of his COVID opt-out year. But really the guy that I'm keeping my eye out on is someone that I've been really high on, even going back to his high school days, down at a small 2A or maybe even 1A school, Hawkinson in, in Southwest, southwestern Washington. Sawyer Roccinelli. I don't know. He, he just seems to be the kind of wide receiver that I love, and maybe that's because he looks more he's like a, a tight player, end. Dude. Looks more like a tight end than a wide receiver, but yeah, big body. Good uses it really well to box out defenders, strong hands, physical presence as a run blocker. So, you know, out of all the wide receivers, I'm really excited to see one, how healthy is he? How does that knee look? I mean, all reports we've gotten is that he's full speed ahead, hundred percent, but he was on pace to break all of Cooper cup's high school Washington state records until he got injured in a seven on seven tournament before his senior season. And, you know, he's a hell of a football player. And if he can get back to where he, you know, his potential was projected pre-injury, I I'm really excited to see what he could bring and, you know, you just get the sense that junior Adams likes those bigger, more physical possession type wide receivers and Rocinelli is the one that looks like that the most on our team, so that's that's my guy.
0: Yeah, Rocinelli is one of those guys that it's going to be really interesting to see how the wide receiver room develops over the course of the year and honestly the next couple of years. Yeah. Just because I think he's probably the most sure-handed of the entire bunch. Yeah, and I'd say how, so. And how does that, like, how does that aspect of his game? trickle down to like the coach's decisions on who gets the most playing time and stuff. Like obviously wide receiver drops have been a big issue over the past year or two in the, in the Huskies wide receiver room. So hopefully they fix that. And hopefully that actually isn't an issue this year, but if it is, is someone like Rockinelli someone that they, they thrust into a position that gets more playing time just because he is a little bit more sure-handed, even though he's maybe not quite as explosive as some of the, these other players. He's, he's great at catching the ball. He's got a big body. Like you said, he knows how to use it. Um, and he's physical too. So what he maybe lacks in some explosive, like maybe agility type moves he mm-hmm. makes up for in his physical presence. So it'd be interesting to see how he he develops and, and where he fits into this wide receiver core, not only this year, but next year as well. The Guy that I'm watching though is Giles Jackson. And yeah, it's a good one. Mostly just because I want to see how he factors into the offense. I think they're going to really kind of he's going to have a very unique role in this offense. Like he's going to be your gadget guy. Um, he's going to be running your fly sweeps, probably. He's going to be doing some screen passes, probably, maybe some like kind of they might line him up almost like as a as an extra running back and like kind of move him out into the flat almost like on an extended bubble screen type thing. So I'm interested, I'm interested to see what, like what he does. I don't think they're going to show off a lot of that, I guess, in this Montana game. So maybe that's honestly not a great player to watch in this Montana game, but also in the return game, how does he look there? How does he factor into that? I just want to see kind of if this like explosive playmaking ability and what it actually looks like. Cause we didn't see him in the spring. He's, he's new here this fall. So right. I haven't seen him in person and I'm just excited to see what he's all about. Cause we've heard obviously good things and glowing reviews of him throughout all of fall camp.
1: For sure. I think moving into the outside linebackers. I know we talked a lot about them in our depth chart rundown. I think the obvious thing here is like, how does that Braylon Trice, Jeremiah Martin Cooper McDonald situation play out? But Honestly, the guy that I'll be watching the most is Savelle Smalls and came in with a lot of fanfare. Like we've already mentioned, the local guy from Garfield and Kennedy Catholic and, you know, showed some promise as a pass rusher, but he really struggled against the run in terms of maintaining his gap integrity and and setting and holding the edge in a physical, violent way. So I'll be looking to see in the game reps that he gets, how is he playing the run? And then really you look for a guy like that to really flash in pass rushing situations. And obviously ZTF was just like in the backfield all day, every day last year. So there wasn't a lot of room for anyone else to shine last year, but do you go back and watch a lot of ZTF sacks? Savelle Smalls is a step behind him Mm -hmm. and I'll be interested to see, with the opportunity in front of him, if he can snatch it. And I think Montana is a good opponent for him to maybe build some of that confidence, but I'll be keying in and watching number 17 really intentionally for sure.
0: My player to watch is ZTF because he's going to be suiting up. No, I'm just kidding.
1: Uh... (laughs) Definitely. We'll be watching for him pregame, see how he looks.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he'll do some light drills and stuff before the game is my guess, and he'll probably just not be in pads but in a jersey on the sideline is my guess. Uh, but on a on a more serious note, I, I'm i interested to see what the transfer from Texas A&M brings in Jeremiah Martin and just kind of how he factors in the rotation. Yeah. Um, I think I'm a little bit higher on him than you are. You said that he he looks a little bit slow and clunky. Um, yeah. He definitely has a bigger body. I think he fits kind of more what Ryan Bowman does than maybe the opposite side, uh, more of like a Leo like pass rush kind of outside linebacker end. But um, he still has that in him. And he was a highly regarded guy at a high school, obviously. And I honestly liked what I saw from him in the spring game too. Um, I, thought he, I thought he moved well um, in his few opportunities kind of to cover the flat. He got his hands on the ball a couple times he was a he was in the backfield constantly and he was physical out there so i want to see if that carries over to to uh, a game setting and kind of just how he factors into the rotation too because i think he's kind of like the unknown of the group like he he, he's obviously talked about a bit but like we don't really know where he fits into the rotation i think we know a little bit more about most of the other guys around him right i'm not i'm not sure about jeremiah martin and just where he factors in so we'll see what what opportunities come in his way uh i guess let's call out a defensive back because i feel like you're itching to talk about at least someone in that defensive backfield and i have a feeling i know who you're going to talk about but i just i want to pose the question to you and see who you're looking looking for in that defense i mean my
1: eyes are going to be locked on number 44 buki transfer from oklahoma but we've already covered that pretty well um he's gonna you know demand your attention as a watching fan anyways. So I'm going to pick somebody else. I'm going to go with Dom Hampton. I want to know, like, that's just such an intriguing player in the defensive backfield, 6'2", 220 to 230. He's really kind of got that Cam Chancellor vibe to him back there. He really is going to thump you in a major way. And so he's going to get some runtime. I want to see how he looks because, you know, ideally... His size and speed combination is not something anyone else in the backfield can match. And, you know, maybe there's been some concerns about his, you know, him being assignment sound or whatever it might be, but I'm really just intrigued with what he could bring to the team if he realizes his potential. So again, outside of number 44, Buki making plays, I'll probably be looking out for number 21, Dom Hampton, see what he can do on Saturdays.
0: It's a good call out. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm excited to see what Dom Hampton, especially just at that size can bring to a secondary. Um, You mentioned cam chancellor and we saw obviously the impact that he had on the Seahawks over a number of years and can Dom Hampton bring the same type of physicality to the, to the UW secondary. That'd be pretty exciting. It's something that they've probably been lacking over the last couple of years, at least since, since Jojo probably left, do you think, or do you think there was something after him maybe?
1: I mean, I don't know like Buddha and Taylor Rapp were really physical but they weren't that yeah. like intimidating presence. Right. So was, we haven't really had the intimidating presence back there since Jojo.
0: Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if that develops and if he I mean if he gets some opportunities and makes some plays, I I wouldn't bet that he starts getting some starting reps out there in the secondary. The guy that I'm going to watch though is Camp fab. and the 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 main reason is just like he he really popped to me in the spring game and like Buki and him were going back and forth but like that's where the plays were being made is that at that nickel position yeah. um, I know a lot of opportunities go there but God he he gets into the backfield he just blows up stuff like he he reads screens so well too he's such a good tackler. Like yeah, that's he might be thing. the best tackler in, in the secondary. Like that's kind of his mainstay is, is yep. his tackling ability. Um, and he really showed that in the spring and I'm just excited to see kind of, I don't know, not only his tackling ability, but just like his playmaking ability. Like I, I think, I think he can play a really cool role in this defense. And I, I, I'm honestly really excited about the fact that both he and Buki are listed as starters because I think having them both on the field is a good thing because they're, they are, I think two of your best five defensive backs, even though some of these other guys are, are higher rated. Jacoby Covington's gotten a lot of praise. I think he's going to be a really, really good corner one day, but you got Trent McDuffie there, obviously. Right. Kyler Gordon, like, I mean, the sky's the limit for that guy. Like, he is so athletically talented; has obviously all the tools in the world. Just yeah. needs to put it all together, um, and I think he will. Um, and then you got like like Alex Cook and Asa Turner, who have been kind of just guys out there. Like, Asa Turner was obviously a pretty high recruit. Alex Cook wasn't, but um, both just kind of guys. So I, I'm interested to see. What Cam Fab can bring to that secondary and just his, his sure is sure tackling ability, his playmaking ability, I think it's going to be on display early in the season.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of interesting and fun guys to pay attention to in that backfield for sure. And again, it's kind of the theme of our show tonight is the Montana game. Like you know, potentially might have to forget about the score at some point, but really do your best to stay engaged and you could see some of these young, really highly talented players getting their first looks in, you know, live bullet situations. And it'll be fun to see who, who rises to the occasion. I think the only other position to call out is the obvious one, like Sam Heward legacy quarterback, son of Damon Heward, nephew of Brock Heward. He's going to play on Saturday and he might actually end up playing quite a bit how does he look how has he progressed over his three four five months on campus and really looking forward to seeing number seven sling the ball in purple and gold it seems like something that's been destined since the day he was born so cool story there and will be fun to watch for sure
0: oh man i'm getting so excited
1: (laughs) dude i know i can't believe it's only tuesday night
0: (laughs) I know, I know, and this will obviously come out on a on a on a Wednesday, but I'm so excited for for this game. Oh my god, I I like like absurdly excited, like way more excited than I should be for, to play Montana. I'm just I'm excited to see the purple and gold on the field, and for there to be fans back at Husky Stadium. Yeah, it's I mean it's gonna be it, it's not gonna be like the most unreal atmosphere because it's not gonna be a sellout. Like it's probably gonna be maybe fifty thousand there. Like I think it'll be
1: fifty five plus.
0: Yeah, uh, it's kind of the reports that uh, like I've seen, at least as far as like ticket sales and kind of butts in seats. So we'll we'll see what the crowd looks like. I know that obviously the Delta variant kind of has some fans probably a little bit scared off. So it might not yeah. be kind of what we thought it could have been a couple months ago. But um, it's going to be exciting nonetheless. And it'll be it'll be a great atmosphere for for all these dogs to play in. Listen, um, here's talk- the deal. Here's the yeah. deal. Yeah.
1: unfinished business baby this is why for i'm sure. fired up for montana for game, sure. is because we got totally hosed out of last season goddamn covid came in and took the pac-12 championship game away from us potential Bowl game away from us handed it to oregon didn't even deserve it lost to cal lost osu they were lost three four games and three. last
0: year four like, and three pac-12 champs whatever listen, bro
1: we all know who the Kings of the North is and they wear purple and gold and they reside in Seattle, Washington. And on Saturday, September 4th, you're going to get the first look at the 2021 PAC 12 North champions, PAC 12 champions on their quest to another Rose bowl, potential college football semifinal. So hell yeah. I'm fucking pumped up about this game. We run the doors. The North runs through us. Everybody knows it. I don't care what ESPN, all this off-season national championship BS that Oregon gets. Listen, on Saturday, you're going to see a dominant Husky team, smoke a Montana team as expected, and it's going to ride us into Ann Arbor for a hell of a game on the 11th. And, man, I hope I'm getting your juices flowing because mine are overflowing.
0: I fucking love it, Sam. I fucking love it. Let's talk some keys to the game. I know what um, you're going to say.
1: The damn ball. Run it. Correct.
0: Correct. I'm pretty sure that's really the only key to the game, honestly. Like, keep yeah. it as fucking vanilla as possible on offense. Don't show okay. any of your gadget plays. I know I talked about Giles Jackson being the gadget guy, but ideally you're not showing any of that shit because you're just no running HB dive.
1: HB off tackle.
0: HB off tackle. <laughs> <laughs> Sprinkle that in, but a lot of HB dive. run right run left that's basically your two play calls at this point um that that should do it against montana um especially just that defense
1: if you're running back look for number 87 and number 51 and run behind their ass and we'll be fine correct that's allow your talent
0: and size to dominate this game because it should and keep it as vanilla as possible like i said you shouldn't show anything uh so that michigan doesn't have film on That's the other that's the under under told story about all this is that John Donovan didn't really get to install his like true offense last year. Right. It was a very slimmed down version just because of the shortened preseason. And then it was a shortened season, obviously. And then it was only four games. So um, we haven't really seen what John Donovan is all about as a play caller on on our offense. And I'm interested to see what that develops into. But I don't want to see it this this first this first game. I want to see run right run left you know two downs another first down another first down 15 yards five yards eight yards just running clock so i want to
1: see 300 plus yards on the ground i want to see at least one or two dylan morris passes connect over the top just to see it
0: just to see it yeah
1: and then i want this defense playing with the hair on fire. I don't want to see a goddamn first down in the first half.
0: That'd be that'd be legit. Yeah. Do you think they're do you think they're good enough to be able to not allow a first down the whole half?
1: Yeah, I don't yeah. think that's gonna happen.
0: Yeah, it's pretty. Bold, I mean, and I mean take.
1: Montana earning a first down, not Buki Radley Hiles headhunting somebody, giving <laughs> them a free first down.
0: There's a question. Does Buki get ejected from this game? Do you think he's so fired up that he gets ejected?
1: If he does, game? I hope that God, to happens in the first half. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because uh, <laughs> come September 11th, we going to need that boy. He yeah, needs to be sure. playing against Michigan for sure.
0: I bet Jimmy's in his ear just like, okay, you can headhunt in the first half, but lock it up in the second. Like,
1: yeah, we don't risky. need any players. Hopefully he's
0: just not playing in the second half, right?
1: Yeah, hopefully that would make me feel better.
0: Hopefully up right three or four scores at halftime and we can kind of just cruise after that. But anyway, let's let's do our score prediction real quick and then we can talk some pro dogs real quick just to yeah. highlight a few names. I think that makes sense with the flow. Um, do you want to share your prediction first?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we're pretty close here. It's yep. I'm predicting a blowout win. I've got 45-10 Huskies win, I think we should be able to have our way here. I think they'll probably score a garbage time touchdown, maybe get a Mm -hmm. field goal at some point in the middle part of the game, but maybe they'll get a field goal on the first drive. I know that's been a theme with our defensive staff is we come out pretty vanilla for that first defensive drive and then really make adjustments and lock it down. So I think Montana will get a field goal and a touchdown. And then, you know, I think we'll get, a handful of touchdowns and a field goal.
0: Yeah. I'm totally predicting a very similar, like I'm, like you said, I, I predict they're going to get like a field goal on their first drive, just because we're going to be kind of feeling out, feeling them out. And I think there's probably going to be some early, early game jitters for a lot of our, a lot of our guys on defense. There's some young guys out there that could be kind of blown, either a blown assignment or just a blown run container or something like that on one side of the ball. Um, but obviously we're going to we're going to lock it down and we're going to we're going to dominate this game because of our size and talent and i'm seeing a 14 42 to 13 win again maybe a field goal in the first half for montana and then i think it's back up central come like middle of the third quarter and they're able to get some some points against some of our second and third stringers maybe at the at the end of the game but I think our offense scores on most of their possessions probably. And they really slow down the game with the running game. I think they chew off a lot of clock and it could easily be like a 60 to 13 game, but because we're just kind of running the ball most of the day, I think it's, it's like a 42 to 13 game. All right. Uh, we should talk some pro dogs. We haven't talked pro dogs in a long time. It's It's been it's, a minute. Has, has it been since last year? I don't think we've done a Pro Dog segment in 2021, yeah. really. So um, yeah. So obviously, I think the biggest news for Pro Dogs as it pertains to the Seattle area is that Sydney Jones, Sid the Kid, is back in town and uh was traded for, came from the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Seahawks traded a six round pick. This this came down yesterday, I think, right? Yeah. It was yeah. We're recording this Tuesday, yeah, Monday. Um and yeah. He's a Seahawk and you don't trade a six round pick like this late in to like preseason if he's not going to play. So Sydney's going to play for the yeah. Seahawks. And I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah. And some of the background history there is obviously he was a standout player for the Huskies. He played really well for us for a long time and he was, you know, pretty much rated as a first round talent going into the NFL draft. And then, on his final rep of his pro day, he blew his Achilles out before the draft. He fell to the second round. The Eagles selected him, You know, obviously took his whole rookie year to rehab. Then he dealt with some other injuries. His second year ended up getting cut by the Eagles, found a home for himself in Jacksonville, and over the last year or two has really steadily built himself back up to what people thought he potentially could be. He's still got a ways to go, but last year, he, he played well when he was in the game. So I think it's definitely a player to your point that can come in and really contribute to the Seahawks defense. And I, his length, I mean, he's not necessarily the tallest or the most stout corner, but he's got some freakishly long arms and he gets his hand on balls. He's got good ball skills. So I think he could potentially find a a home for himself in the Seahawks defensive backfield for sure. So Welcome home, Sydney.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, and I don't think he's going to start right off the bat. Like, I mean, he he obviously like just got into town probably today, yeah, yeah. so um, he's gonna he's gonna need some time, especially with the way that that uh, Pete Carroll uh, teaches defensive backs, and it's it's a little bit of a different method to to uh, defending uh, as far as like the kick step or whatever they call it. Um, so it's a different technique that most most defensive backs have to kind of learn first before they just are thrown in there. But I think probably by midseason at the latest, I think Sydney's probably one of your, your starting outside, outside corners. Yeah, I think so. Um, let's see. Uh, I know the other, the other big news that I wanted to bring up and I hope hopefully Katie's dad, my, my wife's dad, my father-in-law Grant is listening as a Giants fan. The crew is back together. Dante Pettis and John Ross both made the Giants roster and neither one has done much in the NFL, but they both made the roster and obviously they were a hell of a duo in a Husky uniform. So you got to be excited about that. And obviously just as, as a dog fan excited about that, but I think Giants fans should be excited too, for just like both those guys have potential. And especially if they made the roster, like, there's, They showed some promise in the preseason and in, in in training camp. So both those players definitely have potential to be capable starters. So I'm excited to see how that develops um, and happy to see that they both got opportunities in New York.
1: Yeah, for sure. Happy to see them land together. I think they have been good friends for a long time. So mm-hmm. hopefully they can bring the best out of each other again and, and reach some of that potential that we talked about. I know... Some of the other news is a little bit more somber for some of the pro dogs come in with the NFL teams cutting down to their active rosters of only 53 players. A couple of those casualties to note Senio Calamete, a longtime NFL player. He's made a a hell of a career for himself. He was back in the Sarkeesian days as our left tackle. He's been playing guard in the NFL. He got released by San Francisco Odds are there's probably a team out there that will pick him up off the waiver wire at some point, likely after week two. Uh, Elijah Qualls was released by the New York Giants. A little bit of a surprise, Jadon Mickens got cut by Tampa Bay. He was a pretty good contributor to their Super Bowl team on the special team side of things. He'll for sure get picked up by another team just based on the contributions he made to that Super Bowl team last year. And then another one to call out, Jake Browning got waived by Minnesota Vikings. The rumor there is that they want him back as their practice team scout quarterback if he clears waivers, which a little bit of a risky move because he's been playing really well for them and, you know, their backup third string scout team type player. So I think if, if there's a want or a will for Jake Browning to continue playing in the NFL. I know people are in his ear about coaching sooner rather than later, but sure. there's going to be a team out there, and you know whether he clears waivers or not, he's got an NFL spot for himself. Um, I can keep kind of going down the list. I know Desmond Trufant, unfortunately, got cut by Chicago. Another you know, name was... to watch
0: for the for the for the Seahawks if you know week one goes poorly at corner. Yeah and if he's still unsigned honestly kind of unfair to Desmond though I think like I think I read like his dad passed away like their dad passed away and he's been back home for a bit um so he like skipped out on training camp and that was I mean obviously like if you're skipping out on training camp that's not gonna lend good things to you making the roster but Kind of unfortunate, just timing with all that, and obviously thoughts and prayers out out to the True Font family.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I don't think that he skipped out for much. I mean, he was just out a couple of days on bereavement, and I I think it's one of those things where he's likely going to get cut anyways. But just again, like you said, crappy timing.
0: um I know uh Miles Bryant. I think I don't yeah. know if you mentioned. Did you mention him? No, not yet. No, he he got cut by the Patriots as well, and he had. That was a little bit of a surprise, too, because he had he had kind of come on for them and been playing nickel corner for them um, towards the end of last season and doing a good job of it, too. Um, So that was a little bit surprising as well. I I think most of these guys are going to find some homes, whether or not it's going to be practice squad or not, like some of them could be practice squad, but I'd be surprised if most of these guys don't play at some point this year in the NFL
1: yeah i think that's pretty much your list of fringe nfl guys then Mm -hmm. you know there's a handful of others that have been hanging on i know like aaron fuller got cut by the seahawks he's someone that's probably on the outside looking in in terms of finding a job in the nfl practice squad or not this
0: year he'll probably be on he was on our practice squad last year i bet he would be back on it again this year yeah if if he clears waivers
1: yeah there's a good chance for that um you know, I, I know
0: whatever Coleman, happened to Jordan Miller because I, I know that he was on our practice squad last year, and then I think we still had him signed, but I haven't heard of Pete. From, yeah, he got cut him.
1: a cut like a week ago or so.
0: Oh, did he? Okay, I didn't. Even yeah, see that.
1: so I don't know what he's been up to since that happened. I know Coleman Shelton, I thought, mm. would potentially get cut from the Rams, but mm. he's dealing with some injury concerns, so I think he's been placed the NIR. on a on the IR or the pup list. So Up. he's like technically still on the squad, not counting towards the 53, but I know Sean McVay came out and had some nice thing to say about Coleman Shelton. Um, but those are just some of the, you know, that's the news. I know it kind of paints like a somber picture for Huskies <laughs> in the league, but there's 30 plus other guys that are locked in as contributors on 53 man roster, obviously led by none other than Buddha Baker is worth calling out every year. The NFL players vote on their own uh, in, in the player's own opinion, the top 100 players from the previous season, Buddha Baker ranked in at number 19. So among peers, he's considered one of the 20 best football players, regardless of position, the highest ranked safety by his peers. So I think that's a great accomplishment and a feather in the cap for the Huskies' best pro player by far, Buda Baker. We're number three down at Arizona Cardinals, primed for another breakout. Hell of, you know, great season. I guess not breakout if you're a top 20 player, but needless to say, he's going to have a good year for them for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to – sorry for looking away from you. I'm, I'm trying to find this, uh, this tweet that had Elijah Molden's quote because he had a hell of a quote. Um, and I wanted to end this end this segment on a good note. Um, I don't know if you you saw this or not. I don't but he think had I a... did. Okay, let me see if I can find this. Do you have anything else to talk about? <laughs> oh, let, let me see. No, I got it here. I got it here. Hold on, it's just pulling up. Do, uh... do, 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 do. Computer loading. All right, uh, Elijah Molden says everything we learned at UW football or he le- learned at UW football has created a foundation for him and is transferring over to the NFL. Credited uh, uh coach lake for getting him ready. The process molden had at Washington is able to be applied during film study, practice, etc. with the Titans. So Elijah Molden making a name for himself with the Titans and he's gonna I, I think they got a steal in the third round with oh, him. Yeah like he is going to be such a good NFL player, 10 year vet. I bet like he's just going to be so solid, um, at that, at that nickel corner position, which obviously is just, it's, 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 it's becoming more and more of a relevant position in today's NFL, the more pass happy Mm -hmm. that the league trends. So becoming more and more of an important position. And I think he's going to be kind of one of those guys that carries the torch at that position for the next decade. Um, so I'm 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 fired up to see what Elijah can do. Um we're gonna see them week two. So it'll be interesting to see what the Seahawks can and how they match up against Elijah Molden. Might see some Elijah Molden versus D Eskridge action, uh rookie on rookie crime in in that in that second game of the season. It'll be interesting to see who wins that battle. My yeah. bets on Elijah, but
1: <laughs> yeah, my bets on Molden. Again, just another <laughs> UWDB that. Seahawks passed over we had a chance I think nobody would have cried a foul if we picked him with our second round pick but sure let him slide and I think the praise is legitimate I think Elijah Molden's going to be a top tier nickel corner in the NFL for a long time and Seahawk fans are going to be kicking ourselves just like we did when we passed over Buda Baker and
0: which on a related note, Malik McDowell made the Browns. So he's, <laughs> it was a good pick. John Schneider. He's going to be a good player. No, I'm not, not even joking
1: about that. God damn.
0: Yeah. Kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. Well, I think that probably just about does it for tonight, unless you had anything else to say, Sam, anything else to, to contribute to this episode. No, we, uh, it was a good one. I, I think we, we covered just about everything we could and, Obviously super excited for Saturday. Just going to go off on a little bit of a tangent just because I've had Twitter up this whole time. Pretty sure the Mariners won the tweet won, won the trade. And uh, none more proof than Abraham Toro hit a game-winning grand slam against Kendall Graven tonight with the
1: Mariners. No way.
0: Yep. Damn. Storybook stuff.
1: Dude, Toro's been legit.
0: Yeah, storybook stuff there. Yeah, bullpen has been... A little shakier, obviously, since the Grayman trade, and you could, you know, argue that point. But no doubt that Abraham Toro looks like a piece that we can kind of build around for the next several years. Um, So I, I think in the long run, the Mariners definitely won that trade. Uh, So even, even though it's on, it's on spotlight tonight with that grand slam. Damn, that's
1: amazing! I didn't kind of a cool story.
0: Yeah, I, I just pulled it up on Twitter. So. All right, folks. Well, uh, thanks for listening. As always, we appreciate the support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already, and leave us a message via the anchor link in our description. Until next time,
1: go dogs.